0: Blob Talk Radio
1: The following
2: is a post time with Mike and Mike production McWicked is lonely on the lead he's up by four on the outside don't tell me again cutting into the margin but it's McWicked four years later back at the top of the sport. <clears throat>
3: Homicide Hunter who sweeps fast to the outside. Homicide Hunter trotting into the finish. It's Homicide Hunter who will hit the line 148 and four, the fastest trotter ever. Gideon. So Dewey did done good down the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Walker Meister coming at him. Walker Meister on the outside, getting the best of him. Walker Meister in front.
4: Gideon.
5: Three wide, all bets off. They're at the top of the stretch. Rockin' Ron turns first in the Battle of Lake Erie. On the outside, bit of a legend. Rockin' Ron, bit of a legend. On the outside, bit of a legend. This year's
2: battle champion, 23 and 1. Homeward bound in gold cup and soccer. 59 somewhere. Pinchy, rockin' in heaven. Rose runs west. Here is the French connection. The alert have won it. Gideon! Fine, Twinkle takes aim in the passing lane. Now Caviar Alley in full gear outside. Shartn start a feeling. Caviar Alley all out. Shartn digging deep. Shartn's gonna dig in here and get the win here. Shartn up on the front end. That none shall pass for Tim
0: Dietrich. Giddy up.
4: You're tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing post-time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter.
5: Foiled again! Holds on to win! Foiled again! Tough as nails!
4: And Mike Bozich.
5: The
2: Iron Horse has cemented his legacy! Giddy up!
5: Didn't think any of us was going to make it, Mike Bozich. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America. Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. and I'll tell you, you, you know, some of you don't know the behind-the-scenes workings of, you know, the Blog Talk Studio or whatever. And we always use Chrome. We use Google Chrome. It's what Mike is technologically savvy with. I can't believe I just referred to you as that, and <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> Hey, can you even hear me? <laughs> yes, I can hear you. Yes, I can oh, hear you. you a, that's good, that's oh, that's that's fantastic.
2: Oh, that's good. Great. Care.
5: But <laughs> you, let let me, let me tell let me let me just give a glimpse of the struggle for everybody who's listening, okay? And uh, Mike, I well, wish you could on my side. Well, listen,
4: well, listen, explain it and take a while because I'm still downloading Rich Matte's interview. We had to tape Rich Matei today because he wasn't sure if his cell phone would reach in the museum. I guess they're going to the museum today.
5: Oh, right. Churchill, right.
4: so, Churchill, yeah.
5: So, so, he, so five minutes before the show starts, I'm trying to log on as I usually do, and Rich Johnston's in here with me, and I'm going, and what is going on with this thing? Why won't it work? Keeps popping up and yelling at me that Chrome needs to be re-downloaded or whatever. So I re-download Chrome, nothing works. I had to go through and download Firefox. Mike, it was the closest I think I've ever been. I heard the girl in my ear say, "Your show will begin in 27 seconds." <laughs>
4: <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's it, – it's that's what I think a lot of people do. And I knew this when I was in radio from before about all the behind-the-scenes things that go on. I mean, it's not – you're just not turning on the mic and blabbing. Right. You know, yeah. it's a lot of – a lot of different things go into it. You know, a lot of behind-the-scenes, like, uh, you know, I mean, we do social media during the show. Um, you know, we do a lot. I mean, we download clips throughout the show. I mean, we talk to each other back and forth to make sure we don't talk over each other during the interviews. We're talking behind the scenes in Facebook Messenger. It just, you know, it's a lot of different things. It's very stressful, Mike, very stressful,
5: (laughs) especially when you're working with somebody who's not technologically advanced like you. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway. And and you know what? And and then
4: it wants us to
5: re-download Google
4: Chrome for some reason. Like why? I'm on Google Chrome. I'm on Google Chrome, and it wants me to download Google Chrome. And, of course, we're talking about our blog talk radio uh, studio. Studio. Studio.
5: So, all right, that's enough of that. So we're going to talk uh, with Dave Pallone this morning. Uh, We've got a fantastic group of guests. We're going to transition to Dave Pallone. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, we we spoke with Dave Pallone a couple of times, but over 18,700 career wins. What an impeccable career that Dave Pallone has had. You know, that's
4: all inspiring when you take a look at it. I mean, think about it this way, Mike. Um, You know, Dave Pallone, in all essence, is the Michael Jordan of harness racing. He's the Jack Nicholas of harness racing. He's the Babe Ruth of harness racing. And, you know, a lot of people like to think they are the best at what they do, and that's, you know, certainly understandable, and everybody wants to be the best at what they do in their profession. But you know what? Dave Pallone has got the numbers to back it up. I mean, to be in the winner's circle over 18,000 times, to be the winningest driver in the world is just an unbelievable accomplishment, Mike. It it really is. And what's even more unbelievable, Mike, is that over the span of this two-and-a-half years, we have never had Dave Pallone on this program, never. What? Come
5: on. We've never Never? never had
4: him on the program,
5: never. Wow, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely incredible.
4: Yeah, so Dave Pallone's going to be on the program, and plus we're going to talk – to Ashley Eisenbeil, Mike, and uh, this is an, an interview that I'm looking forward to. She is the uh, Director of Marketing for the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association, which is relatively new here in the state of Pennsylvania, so we're going to uh, talk to her. Plus, we're going to talk to Garnet Barnsdale, our good friend, and uh, Garnet Mike is going to have a chance to see the movie screening from Sun Beach Somewhere. And Mike, if you remember on this program about a year ago, and, and please forgive me because I can't quite remember the name of the young lady that we had on the program that was talking about this Sun Beach Somewhere movie. Do you remember her name? I do not. not off the top of my head. Anymore. I, I don't either. No. But anyway, remember she was so excited that we were talking to her about it. and. You know, uh, it, we kind of kind of forgot about it. I mean, over the, the last few months, but it is finally here. And Garnet Barnsdale is actually going to have a chance to see the screening at the uh, the Mohawk Inn and Conference Center in Milton, Ontario, and he's going to talk to us about that. Plus, we got Richard Matei on tape. He's uh, going to break down the Kentucky Derby for us. Mike, it is Derby Week. No, it is Derby Week. He-
5: Oh yeah. It's Derby week. We always talk about the uh, Derby and a couple of the contenders uh, that are out there. A uh, couple of uh, big notices. Uh, we might have a second scratch of the Kentucky Derby after the favorite was scratched uh, due to a um, enlarged epiglottis or excuse me. I think that's, I said that right. Um, and uh, so we might have another scratch. Uh, there is a horse uh, by the name of Hakai who has a foot abscess that may uh cause him not to run in the 145th run for the Roses. So we'll kind of break down that race a little bit. We are a harness show, but Mike, we always talk about these things. Uh, We kind of go through the uh, triple crown races uh, as we go on. And I'm going to try to get our man, Kurt Becker, to come on the program in a couple of weeks. And Kurt works for Horse Racing Radio Network. He's the announcer at Keeneland. He is also uh, the NASCAR uh, commentator for MRN Radio and – he has a ton of harness racing background, Mike, and so we'll try to get Kirk Becker on in a couple of weeks to kind of dissect the Preakness with us. But it is Derby week, and, uh, listen, I'm looking forward to it. All right, listen, we better get uh, rolling because
4: Dave Pallone's got a qualifier at 11. So let's get to a very quick timeout. We'll have Dave Pallone on. you got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, the USTA. T A.
1: At BetAmerica, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the Bet America way. Join us for the
4: Diamond Creek Farm Open House coming up on Saturday, June 1st, starting at 11 a.m. Family-friendly activities include raffles, hay rides, free food, and beverages. Kids, you'll have a chance to meet a foal of mare and a stallion. Plus, the day will include demonstrations such as a stallion collection and pregnancy checks. Plus, you can meet the fine folks from the Harness Youth Foundation and Pacing for the Cure. The Diamond Creek Farm Open House, located in Wellsville, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at diamondcreekfarm.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. The Diamond Creek Farm Open House, Saturday, June 1st at 11 a.m. Be there.
0: And fortune favors the bold. And we're all in at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Join us as we kick off the live racing season with an epic fan appreciation weekend, Friday, March 29th, and Saturday, March 30th for champion harness racing, new bets, folder promotions, free family events, live entertainment, giveaways, and more starting at 6.30 p.m. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino is this, folder. And we want you to be a part of it. Visit harrishoosierpark.com for more info,
1: Dr.
5: We're back at this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And, Mike, I tell you, the next first guest that we're going to have on the air this morning, eight, over 18,000 wins, as you alluded to. He's the Michael Jordan of Harness Racing. Dave, Lone are the program now. And, Dave, we understand you got a fire, some qualifiers this morning. But, uh, listen, you continue to reign supreme over the sport of Harness Racing. How in the world do you do it?
6: You know, I I just love it. It's it's a perfect day here in Western Pennsylvania for spin a couple in the qualifiers and then off to the golf course.
4: Well, listen, who's got it better than you, my friend? Well, a, a day in the golf course after qualifiers. Now, I got to ask you. We all know about your harness racing accomplishments, but what kind of golfer are you?
6: I'm terrible. I I never get any better. I've uh I somehow got down to a 4 or 5 handicap a few years ago, but it, it's a struggle. The older you get, the tougher that game is.
4: All right, well, let's listen. Let's talk a little bit about your career, 18,000-plus wins. I mean, obviously that's – you know, I mean, when you sit down and think about it, it's still – uh, it just – it's a jaw-dropping number, the fact that you could be in the winner's circle over 18,000 times. So you, I got to ask you, out of those 18,000-plus, which – is there a couple that stand out to
6: you? Yeah, I mean – Obviously, winning the jug is always big, and to to win it for a local guy and a good friend of mine, Kelly O'Donnell, that was a big day for us over there. And uh, a dear friend of mine, Ed Molyneux, who recently passed, uh, owned the horse. So it was just a, a dream day, and my first adios here was pretty special uh, with my parents and family here. So uh, those two stand out, and uh, the Breeders' Crowns always are big, too. And I want a jug for my brother. So those are the ones that, that stand out to me, my
5: Now, Dave, obviously, you know, it's a grind each and every week. Uh, The Meadows doesn't really take a whole lot of days off. How do you keep your body going and keep yourself healthy through all those times? You know,
6: that's a good question. Everything hurts a little more every year. But, uh, you know, once you get in the bike and you're out there rolling, uh, the winters are a little tougher. But I really enjoy this time of year with the young horses coming around and stuff. And, really, it's just fun still winning races. Uh, I don't know what I'd do to kill a day besides – you know, go out and play bad golf, or, or get on my wife's so. <laughs> nerves. It's it's still fun for me. So,
4: visiting with driver Dave Pallone. now. Dave, obviously, uh, you were at the Meadows, and you were driving there pre-slots, and of course, you know, you, you post-slots as well. Uh, so you had a chance to kind of see it from both ends. I mean, when you were racing for, you know, not so great purses, now you're racing for a lot better purses. Have you seen any difference uh, as far as uh, competition on the racetrack or anything, uh, pre-slots versus post-slots?
6: Well, no question. You know, the, the horses were good back then and you'd stumble onto a good colt, but uh, now I think the uh, premier stallions are all in Pennsylvania here, you know, the captains and the lose and, and this, some beaches still, you know, so I, I think that the really the road to the to the Breeders' Crown, if you want to say, goes through Pennsylvania. It, it seems, you know, Ohio, Everyone's getting better, but um, it, there's an awful lot of good culture Saturday starting off their three-year-old season. And, um, you know, that, that's the time of year that everybody looks forward to.
5: Now, Dave, I can't believe we've been on the air this long. We've never had you on. How in the world did you wind up driving horses for a living?
6: It's crazy, you know, everyone's a second and third generation horseman in this game, and I'm a little unique in the fact that my dad just bought a couple of horses, not knowing the difference between a pacer and a trotter as a hobby, and I used to tag along with him as a kid to the track, and uh, I just fell in love with it. I remember the first Earth place was packed, and it was uh, Stanley Dancer with Keystone and the uh, and Joe O'Brien. With Nero and, you know, battling down the stretch. And, and Joe just got up to beat him. The place went crazy, and I, I just uh, I got hooked right then. You know, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I was always into sports in high school, and it was something I thought I could do, you know, post-high school that uh, I could still compete and loved horses. I was in 4-H as a kid and rode horses. So this has per- been perfect for me.
4: And 18,000-plus wins later, here you are. Now, Dave, I got to ask you, do you ever – you know, after a day's driving or or whenever you get a couple of minutes alone, do you ever sit down and and kind of look back at your career and go, wow, I can't believe that I've been in the winner's circle eighteen thousand plus times.
6: Yeah, you know, it 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 never I was never really got into the numbers that much, but you know, when you meet someone and they, it was funny the other I was getting a haircut and and the little girl was cutting my hair. She says yeah I remember when I was a kid, my dad used to bring me to the track to watch your dad race nice well. I'm sorry that was me. I'm still at it, so you know it's it's been thirty some years of grinding but uh it's nice when people bring it to your attention because it, it has been a long grind and, and a lot of work and, and uh I've been so fortunate to drive for all the top stables and um drive so many good horses over the years uh just blessed even at fifty seven now that, get the opportunities I do. Uh, I've been very lucky.
4: Well, you talked about it uh 57. What's uh what's there left to accomplish for Dave Pallone? What are some of the things you want to accomplish before you call it a career?
6: Well, you know, everybody has a dream and it, you only have to stumble onto one to to win a hamiltonian, you know, or or uh I don't know. I really don't know. You know, everybody brings throws up the number of 20,000. It seems like forever to get to 20,000. So, uh I'd have to really uh stay at the top of my game which is motivation for me to be able to compete with these young guys and uh just keep plugging at it i really don't have any plans for the future except to uh give the trainers my best effort when i hit the racetrack
4: all right well listen dave we certainly appreciate appreciate you joining us my friend we know you got a qualifier at 11 that's in 13 minutes so uh we're gonna let you get to it but listen we certainly appreciate you dropping by and uh, best of luck to you on your quest to 20k
6: Hey, thanks, guys.
4: Nice to chat with you. All right. That was driver Dave Pallone. And, uh, Mike, I'm telling you, man, uh, 18,000-plus wins, that is an unbelievable accomplishment. I mean, like I say, everybody wants to be the best at their profession, the very best at what they do. But you know what? When you are the very best at what you do and you have the numbers to back you up, that is certainly quite an accomplishment in this game we call life.
5: Yeah, for sure. And listen, he's got about eighteen thousand six hundred and ninety nine more wins than you do in the bike. So, you know, you got you got some work to do to catch it. you got some work to do to catch up to him, my friend. I think you might have that many race calls though. You might have over eighteen thousand race calls by now. So, uh, but you know, listen. Uh, like have, I, I don't you, know. Have you, have you? Listen. Have you ever? I don't. I've I've never done that. I've never sat down and tried to calculate the number. of Have you? I counted my first thousand, and then after that, I quit. OK, I calculated my first thousand okay. and then after that, I quit, you know,
7: but yeah. uh, it,
5: yeah. and, and a legitimate question that I had for him was, how does he keep up with the grind? I mean, you see the Aaron Merrimans and the Ronnie Wrens and those guys that go from track to track to track seven days a week. But, you know, this job is not for the faint at heart by any sense no. of the word. And to see Dave Pallone, I mean, you know, he's not 20 years old anymore. He admitted that he's not 20 years old. And, you know, the winter weather starts to affect uh, starts to affect my joints a little bit uh, throughout the winter. I can't even imagine what it's like for him.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, some interesting stuff there. But uh, it was great to have him on the show. I mean, I can't believe this is the first time we had Dave on the show. But uh, speaking of making their post time with Mike and Mike debuts, we have somebody that's going to do so, and she's up next. Ashley Eisenbeel is the uh, marketing director for – the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. So she's going to be joining us in just a moment, plus the natural Richard Mate. We've got him on tape. Garnet Barnsdale is going to be joining us towards the bottom of the hour. Still lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the Bet America and the USTA. We'll be back after this.
2: The Meadowlands racing season is just heating up. With large fields, bigger purses, nightly promotions, and some of the greatest restaurants in New Jersey, there are plenty of places to catch all of the exciting action. First post on Friday and Saturday nights is 7.15. For more information and
8: reservations, call 201, the Big M, or visit playmeadowlands.com.
4: Mike Bosich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike
5: Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun in wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers.
4: Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts and a Breeders' Crown Champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers and a Breeders' Crown Champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance. And new to Ontario, My MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good times trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Welcome back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, Ashley Eisenbeel, the marketing director for the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association, will be joining us here in just a couple of seconds. Plus, the natural Rich Mate, the brand new well race announcer at Tioga, and plus, he's going to be doing something else at Tioga. We're going to talk to him a little bit about that. Plus, he is live, or he's not going to be live, but he is on site actually at the Churchill Downs. He's going to be attending the Kentucky Derby, so we'll talk to him a little bit about that, plus Garnet Barnsdale will be joining us towards the bottom of the hour. He is going to be attending the movie screening for Sunbeat Summer that will take place on Saturday, May 4th at the Mohawk Inn and Conference Center in Milton, Ontario. But before we get into Ashley, uh, Mike, and I, you know, I mean to do this pretty much every show, but I want to do this uh, right now. Before I forget, because I, I, I keep putting it off, but I want to thank... All of our sponsors, Mike, that, oh, yeah, uh, sure. you know, that, that, because I'll tell you, without them, there wouldn't be us. And I'm talking about people like Bet America, Diamond Creek Farms, Windback Farms, Hoosier Park, the Meadowlands, the Downs at in Sun Pocono, uh, Pacing for the Cure, of course, our title sponsor, the USTA, and Bet America. And uh, Western Fair, the list goes on and on. I mean, you know what, Mike? Uh, these people have put a lot of faith into in us, and and uh, you know they've been with us for for quite some time. But we just want to take just a minute to thank them personally, because without them, we wouldn't be
5: here. Yeah, I completely agree with that statement. Uh, special thanks to all of our sponsors who take the time, and uh, you know they they've got the choice to spend their money elsewhere. They choose to uh, support our show. We certainly appreciate them. Absolutely.
4: All right. right. Let's. Without further ado, let us get to the marketing director for the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Her name is Ashley Eisenbeil, and she is making her post time with Mike and Mike debut. Ashley, welcome to the program. How are you?
8: Hi. Good. Thank you so much for having me.
4: All right. Well, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And I get, I get this question a lot because, you know, listen, I'm the track announcer at Harris Philadelphia. Actually, I'm sitting in the booth right now. The sun is getting ready to come out. But I get this question quite a bit about what actually is the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association we're going to get into that in just a moment but I want to give you the opportunity to kind of introduce yourself so tell us a little bit about Ashley Eisenbeil, how you got started in uh, the sport of uh, horse racing and a little bit of your background if you would
8: absolutely so I am I, I come from a different background a lot of people in the horse racing industry really grew up in it and I'm kind of someone who's out of the norm, I didn't grow up in horse racing, I fell in love in horse racing um, when I got the opportunity to work at the Preakness um, about, I think, nine years ago, I worked there for almost seven years, um, and I just absolutely fell in love with horse racing, um, I enjoyed my time there. I, I really got into, like, the betting part of it and handicapping and understanding um, everything that went into the sport. So uh, it was just, like, I wanted to be saturated with it. I came from an event planning background. That's what I went to school for in Penn State, and I worked at a golf course for five years um, prior to working at the Preakness. So when my time kind of – I decided I wanted to do something different, um I heard some stuff going on in PA with horse racing. They were making some changes with the stakeholders here. We're looking to do a marketing campaign that included both harness and thoroughbred, and I just wanted to be a part of that opportunity. No one really is doing a, you know, a marketing campaign that incorporates both breeds, and I think that's where the future's taking us. Um our industry is kind of struggling. So to, to band together both harness and thoroughbred was such a unique, you know, opportunity that I was like, I'm in, I want to go to PA. I want to work for PA.
5: Now, Ashley, what exactly is the Pennsylvania racing association and how did it all kind of get going and kind of roll?
8: So the Pennsylvania horse racing association is made up of um, 60 quarters we have our two um, harness uh, horsemen groups, and then our two thoroughbred horsemen groups, and then also um, the Standard Bread Breeders Association and the Thoroughbred Breeders Association. So we're representing um, all of our main stakeholders, and what we're our, our goal and our mission is is really to promote and educate people about um, our industry. We want to start to draw, you know, new audiences. Um, and, and educate people about our sport. It, it's a hard sport to understand, as everybody knows. We, we got a lot of you know, in-depth things with the wagering, and, and even sometimes when I talk to my husband about uh, horse racing, he thinks I'm speaking a different language. So that's a lot of my passion is, you know, we built a website that is gonna be really user-friendly to new people coming in and wanting to understand and be a part of our sport. Um, without asking those questions to maybe a more experienced, um, better, or someone who's at the track often, they don't want to ask those uncomfortable questions. Um, like, um, what does this mean? What do you mean the horse scratched? Um, that people don't quite understand. So we really put a lot. I put a lot of work into the website and, and really trying to make it user friendly to newcomers to the industry.
4: Visiting with the marketing director of the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association, Ashley Eisenbeel. And uh, yeah, I mean, I have visited the website. As a matter of fact, you might have heard me typing. I was just punching the website up now. It's actually Penn Horse Racing dot com and it is a very well put together site i mean it seems like it kind of it has a good balance you know between uh you know people that really don't know a lot about horse racing and maybe even people that do know a little bit more about horse racing it seems like it's kind of this kind of something there for everybody, but let's continue to talk a little bit about the the Pennsylvania racing association. Tell us about some of the functions, uh, that it's going to serve. I know it's kind of a marketing arm, but uh, what else, if anything, uh, do you guys do that?
8: Um, we do a lot of educational things. That's something I'm very passionate about. I worked for the Pennsylvania horse racing commission as their marketing director, um, for a year and a half. And over the past two summers, um, We've done events with the 4-H, um, 4-H fair, harness racing events, actually. So this year we'll be at Butler, Bedford, and Indiana. And um, we've put together a really nice educational program for the youth. So, And we've also extended that into thoroughbred. So you'll see a lot more of us doing things with younger um, youth programs. Uh, we like to try and do some stuff with um, the harness racing. I'm sorry. The youth Foundation. I think I said it incorrectly. I'm sorry, Ellen. <laughs> um, no, so,
4: it's the hardest Horse Youth Foundation. Yep.
8: <laughs> yes, I wanted to make sure I said it right. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep, yep. We reach. I've gone. I've actually was last year. I was a a campee, so I could actually learn more. Um, so we want to really extend our youth our youth programs this year. You'll also see us at the tracks, like this Saturday. I'll be at Penn National. We'll have a booth set up, um, giving away things. There we're going to be working and doing a special event um, here in June at the Meadows for um, the MSOA. You're going to see us doing a a special event um, with Marty Jones Day at Park Frasing. So we're we're really trying to build out our events that we're doing. but we're going to be strong, strong in the digital world because that's where our newer audiences lie. And then trying to make our present there, presence there, noticed at the track. Um, with once we get our new, our new fans in the door at the racetracks, um, helping them guide them through their experience so they have the best experience possible.
5: Now, Ashley, what are some of the biggest challenges that face Pennsylvania now and looking
9: ahead?
8: I think it's overall the entire industry has a decline in de- attendance, and that's what we really need to focus on, bringing people to the track again, making them fall in love with horse racing again, um, and and letting millennials know that this is a sport for them. Millennials don't have a very high attention span, <laughs> so um, they I think they now view videos for a total of like six seconds. Horse racing is a fast sport. They get the instant gratification of knowing who won. They don't have to sit through an entire football game. Um, so I think we need to really push those those millennial um, positives that that are going to appeal to them and um, and bring them in. But also perception. Um, that's a huge challenge for for our entire industry, not just Pennsylvania. That the horses that race are cared for, loved. Um, that the owners, and we have veterinarians that are checking them before they go on the track. I think that's something that we're all, you know, fighting. Um, but we've got to get those positive stories and messages out there that, you know, those are just a few of the bad seeds, um, and, they're, and they're everywhere. And They're not just in Pennsylvania. not just, you know, in other states. They're, they're in every industry and in every sport.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, Ashley, when we started the show two and a half years ago, and Mike Carter can certainly attest to this, I mean, we were kind of along the same guidelines. I mean, it's just there's so much negativity out there about horse racing in general. And, you know, there's a lot of forums out there, a lot of places to kind of, you know, vent that negativity. And it just seemed like there wasn't enough positive promotion. There's so many great stories, both in harness and thoroughbred racing, Uh, you know. So, I mean, we kind of look at it like every horse. That hits the racetrack has a story to tell, and you know we we when we started the show two and a half years ago we wanted to kind of promote positive, positively promote the sport, you know, and uh, I I think there's definitely a an opportunity to do that. Ashley, let's uh, speaking of uh, positivity, listen, it's it's Derby Week. I mean, does it get any better than that? I mean, you know, Churchill Downs. Uh, you can watch a wager all the action at all the Pennsylvania racetracks, including right here at Harris, Philadelphia. And I know that all the Pennsylvania racetracks and racetracks across the country all have kind of like their Derby celebrations. Tell us about what's going to be going on at a few of the racetracks in Pennsylvania for Derby day.
8: We have so much going on this week. I've been running nonstop. So at Poconos, you have the double header. Um, so they have horse racing starting at 11 o'clock. They have brunch, they have dinner. They also have their amazing hat contest with Jen star. Um, then you can go to the Harrah's. Harrah's is going to have some great live music. They have barbecue on the apron. They're going to have the most epic party. Um, also have a hot contest as well. you uh, have Parks Racing, it's going to have free family fun right there in Philadelphia um, all day and live racing as well, so you can't get better than that. Penn National, I'll be there, so come see me. Um, we'll be giving away derby hats and, you know, giving away free phra stuff they're going to have a couple different contests going on jumbotrons on the on the apron meadows has their their um live music happening also live racing mint juleps um and they're also going to have their their big hat contest and um is going to have their drive-through wagering
7: available and
8: they're also going to be hosting a big derby party um and a watch show so we got a lot going on here in pa for the derby and and i'm super excited i wish i could be at all the places at once
4: (laughs) yeah yeah well listen i know if you could figure out a way to do it you certainly would but uh listen parties going on all over the place uh, in the state of pennsylvania uh, especially here at harris philadelphia the downs of boegens and pocono the Meadows, all the pennsylvania racetracks well listen ashley we certainly appreciate you joining us best of luck to you in your new job best of luck to you in the uh, Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Listen, I think it's a fantastic thing to try to get all the tracks on the same page, to try to market horse racing in general. And uh, listen, Ashley, we certainly look forward here on the show to uh, working with you uh, to promote the business even further.
8: All
4: right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me today. All right. That was Ashley Eisenbeil. and uh, I'm telling you, I think, Mike, that we're going to – you know, and as a matter of fact, we see something similar happening, uh, or, or what is happening here in Pennsylvania with you know the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association and kind of a, a you know a, a team effort to market with, amongst all the racetracks. And if you look at that website, Mike, it's uh, it's penhorseracing.com. It looks extremely similar to the Ontario Racing website where we submit our picks to.
5: Right. And, and it provides one central location for mm-hmm. each of the racetracks and for betters to go or whoever wants to inquire about information about, you know, Pennsylvania racing at all, it's all in one place. They don't have to go to 50 million places, which is, you know, it's an advanced idea, which helps them out.
4: Absolutely. So if you get a chance and check it out, it's Pennhorseracing dot com. And uh, it's it's a fantastic website, and it's got something for everybody, whether you're a beginner or a pro. Uh, and the Ontario Racing website does the same thing as well. And, Mike, you know, like we touched a little bit on that um, last week, but uh, we really appreciate the idea to work with – you know Garnet barnesdale is going to be joining us here towards the bottom of the hour and ontario racing to provide some analysis for their racetrack so i mean that is, we've been doing it for about a month now we haven't really talked a whole lot about it on the show but listen if uh if you want to check it out you can do you can do that on the ontario racing website and mike that has been a lot of fun to do that over the past month
5: speak for yourself
4: <laughs> I'm just Come kidding. on, Mike. I'm just uh, you know I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Just- well, Mike, I'm trying
5: to inch you that way. I'm trying to inch uh, you that way. A couple <laughs> of days ago, I what the good day I had. Come on, I don't want to bring it up myself. L- l- listen, you know you're you're trying to weasel me into giving you a compliment that ain't gonna happen. But, you know, I, I, yeah. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Mike had a very big night at the office the other night. He gave out three of four in the pick four, and they all paid over twenty dollars, if I remember correctly.
4: One paid 23, one paid over 40, and the other one paid 30. But, Mike, here, here's the thing, though. Okay, it's not really bragging about myself because, like, like I was telling you guys, these horses should have probably gone off 3 to 1, 7 to 2, 4 to 1. What it does go to show you, Mike, is that there's good value to be had at, at the Ontario racetracks. Yeah, you know if you're if you're a student follow it like at Western Fair and Flamborough and redo Carlton and Woodbine. I mean there really is some good value to be had there. So, you know I mean if you're looking for a place to play, if you're looking to you know uh, for a place to get your wagering bucks, I mean try Ontario. By the way, real quick, Mike, while we have a couple minutes, we definitely have to bring this up. Congrats to our good friends at Hoosier Park. It's Breeders Crown 2020,
5: baby. Yep, we're going back to the Breeders' Crown. At least we hope we're going back to the Breeders' Crown in 2020, but we're headed back out to Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Caesars, or excuse me, Harris Hoosier Park, it'll be the first Breeders' Crown under the Caesars uh, management group out there. And I'll tell you, if you didn't go the last time, you should go this time. The folks out there are fantastic. The nights of racing are fantastic, and you can't say enough good things about Hoosier.
4: No, no question about it. So hats off to Hoosier Park. For uh, getting uh, their uh, 2020 Breeders' Crown, that's going to be fantastic. And uh, Mike, I'm pretty geeked up about the weekend, Mike, because Kissing in the Sand is going to be here at Harris Philadelphia. So is War We Butte coming up over the weekend?
5: Uh, yeah, I'm very I, excited. I, I, listen, I'm a, a <laughs> mediocre announcer to call to call that race. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, um, Mike, I know. The, I know. <laughs>
4: you want you want to, Mike? You want you want to come in to call these races? You want to come in to call yeah. them?
5: You know what, listen, you let me call a big, or a Great Northeast Open Series race, and I think you're still kicking yourself over it from last year, so, no, in all honesty. And, just and a foil again race I let you call, like,
4: you see, yeah, I, you yeah. know, yeah. all are welcome here, all are welcome <laughs>
5: here in my booth, it's a team effort. Well, listen, all joking aside, Mike's one of the best race callers in the country, and yes, you do have some great horses coming in uh, this weekend. It's been a stellar show of qualifiers between Harris, Philadelphia, the Downs at Mohegan Sun, Pocono, and Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment over the past couple of weeks. Some of the biggest names in harness racing have been qualifying, getting ready for their 2019 campaigns, and I'm excited to see uh, what Kissin' in the Sand and the rest of them have to show this weekend.
4: All right, that's Pennsylvania Signer Takes Stakes action coming up this weekend at Harris, Philadelphia. We've got lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike. And Mike, we had a chance to catch up with Rich Matei earlier this morning. He is at Churchill Downs, Mike. He is going to be there for the three-day festivities today, tomorrow, and, of course, on Derby Day Saturday. So we're going to talk to Rich. Bless Garnet Barnsdale will be joining us towards the bottom of the hour. Garnet uh, is going to have a chance to see the screening, the movie screening, for some beach somewhere, and I'll tell you what, that is going to be excellent. So we're going to get a sneak peek with Garnet coming up about that. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA.
3: Canada's richest race for older Pacers on a half-mile track is back. The Kemlag Classic, Friday, May 31st, the scene of many great performances in recent years. Back-to-back victories by Foiled again, State Treasurer, Three Feet, Rock and Ron, stunning track record win in 2018. It'll be a party on the patio, of VIP infield experience. Plenty of giveaways, plus an undercard featuring City of London finals and the return of Ontario sires Stakes action for horse players. Bumped up, guaranteed pool, high fives, big fours, something for everyone. Don't miss the Camelot Classic, Friday, May 31st at the Raceway at Western Fair District. Go to CamelotClassic.com
1: Join us for the Diamond
4: Creek Farm Open House coming up on Saturday, June 1st, starting at eleven AM. Family-friendly activities include raffles, hay rides, free food and beverages. Kids, you'll have a chance to meet a full of mare and a stallion. Plus, today will include demonstrations such as a stallion collection and pregnancy checks. Plus, you can meet the fine folks from the Harnosaurus Youth Foundation and Pacing for the Cure. The Diamond Creek Farm Open House, located in Wellsville, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at DiamondCreekFarm.com Like us on Facebook and Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. The Diamond Creek Farm Open House, Saturday, June 1st at 11 a.m. Be there. We're back on post-time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. It's also presented by the United States Trotting Association. And it is Derby Week. I know we're uh, not really a thoroughbred show, but it is Derby Week. And we do want to talk a little bit about the big weekend along with the big day coming up on Saturday, May 4th. And our guy, the natural, Rich Matey, is checking in live from Louisville, Kentucky. Let's bring it to Rich Matey. Rich, how are you, buddy?
2: Doing good. How
4: are you guys? Doing fantastic. Listen, before we get into the Kentucky Derby talk, I know that uh, it's bright and early in the morning. We're taping this because you've got a very busy day uh, coming up today. But uh, first of all, let's talk a little bit about your new position, another new position for the natural Richard Betay. <laughs> la- listen, the last time we talked to you, you were uh, the track announcer at Vernon Downs, and that has changed. Tell us about what's going on in the life of Richard Betay and what you're going to be up to this summer.
9: I'll still be announcing it's just a different racetrack, and that's going to be at Tioga Downs I'll also be racing secretary there. It's a huge opportunity. I thank Jeff Burrell and Jason Settlemore for the chance that they're giving me, especially at a young age, and I'm just ready to go.
4: All right. Well, that sounds fantastic, and you'll be starting your duties. Well, you probably have already kind of started your duties at uh, Tioga Downs. Uh, Nice little racetrack. We haven't had a chance to make it up there, but uh, maybe now that we have an in-rich, we could could, uh, make our way up to Tioga Downs. Great stakes racing uh, throughout the summertime, so make sure you check it out. Well, congratulations on that, Rich. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on this weekend. Now, this is your fourth Kentucky Derby that you've had a chance to uh, to attend, right?
9: Yeah, and fun fact that it's rained every Kentucky Derby that I've been to, and every horse that's won the Kentucky Derby that I've attended has never won a race after the Kentucky Derby, so whoever wins the Kentucky Derby is probably never going to win another race ever
4: again. Well, very interesting. It's kind of called the Rich Matei Curse. But tell, tell us – it's like the Madden Curse. This is the Matei Curse. Tell us a little bit about uh, kind of the uh, the aura that surrounds the Derby. Now, I've never personally been – to, uh, to a Kentucky Derby. But obviously, it's a very magical time. Obviously, it's you know a race that uh, everybody looks forward to, not only uh, horse racing fans, but even people that aren't necessarily horse racing fans.
9: Yeah, when you walk in on that first Saturday in May, you know you're going to something special. And you can just feel it in the atmosphere. Everybody's excited. And as the races go on throughout the day, leading closer to the Kentucky Derby, One, you're seeing good races from race one up to the Kentucky Derby, but the atmosphere, you can just feel the energy rise as it gets closer to Derby time
4: now you've got a little bit of a busy slate today i know you're headed to the uh museum which uh is obviously filled with you know nostalgia and that'll take you certainly take you back in time and uh, down memory lane what do you anticipate that being like i know you said you were only there uh, you were there one time and you were real little probably don't remember too much about that but what do you what do you anticipate from uh, that experience i just want to see
9: the history of the kentucky derby i watched replays of the kentucky derby from my probably once to barton one to now and i just want to see that history and i'm and i know they've renovated the place a lot since i've been there and i really am interested in seeing they have this new video board and you're in this room and it's a 360 video board and it's like a 20 minute video and it's called like the two greatest minutes in sports and i'm really looking forward to seeing that in the history of the kentucky derby
4: Now, they don't have that call a race thing in there, do they, where you could, like, call, like, some of the stretch calls of the derbies with your voice.
9: I don't think so.
4: Okay. Well, if you do that, you're going to have to send us the clip. I I
9: think they have that at the Racing Hall of Fame up in Saratoga, though.
4: Okay. Well, if they do, listen, you're going to have to send us a clip if they do. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs)
9: Yeah, I might
4: I might lose my job at Toyota then if you play that. So. Okay, well we'll have to we'll we'll edit it first. We'll give it some good editing. Uh, let's talk about the action on the racetrack. Uh, you'll be going to Churchill a little bit later on today, uh, but Friday, obviously a big card, the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, a lot of history surrounding the uh, the traditional Friday program, the day before the Kentucky Derby. Tell us about maybe some of the horses. Uh, maybe give us some long shots that you like first on the Friday program. My brace.
9: It starts uh, late pick five and a pick three lead into the Kentucky Oaks. If you look at this race, Solid Wager is going to be the favorite. I really don't trust him. The horse I'm looking to is on the far outside, the number 12 field of He's 20 to one on the morning line. His race at the last time out was lights out. He chased the pace, horse on the lead, stopped. He beat him by 10 lengths. And then him in the second place, horse, who had a perfect trip, he pulled away from him late. And they are they were seven lengths in front of the third place horse. And this horse, before he was claimed, was racing in turf races. And ever since he was claimed for forty thousand dollars, they bought him. They put him on the dirt, and he has not finished worse than third in four of those starts. And on December twentieth, at Aqueduct, he got a buyer of ninety-three, and that puts him in range here. And at twenty to one. Danny Gargan, who's just lights out. He's one for one at the meet already, and Luis Sayas. I'm going to take a shot, and hopefully, this horse, I don't think you're going to get 20 to one, but maybe 12 or 15 to one on field of burn in race number
4: nine. All right, let's take a look at the Kentucky Oaks. Richard like in there.
9: I've always had a thing for the six positive spirit, especially last year. I actually bet her to win in the Demoiselle when she won by 10 lengths. It paid. Um, $24. But her last two races this year as a three-year-old have not been good. She just totally stopped in the Rachel Alexandra. That was her first start back. Adolf Bruchette said he didn't have her cranked up. And then last time in the Gazelle, she made an easy lead and Always Shopping, who's not even that good of a horse, came in theater. I'm still going to use her. I She's probably not going to win the race. I've had a thing for her. And the, horse, the other horse I like, is only also eligible. That's the 15 Dunbar Road, who finished second in her second lifetime start in the Gulf Street Park Oaks to champion anyone. I doubt she's going to get in with the if there's no scratches. But the horse I'm actually looking for right now, and I've been looking at the clocker report, she's been turning lights out. That's the three Lady Apple. This horse is a three-year-old, is three for three. And I know she had a perfect trip up the fence last time out. With a strong pace, except by motion to motion, she's going to be in this race as well. And I'm going to use her, too, because I actually think she ran the best race in the fantasy last time out. But Lady Apple has just progressed every start as a three-year-old. And at 20-1 to 1 on the morning line, she has post three. I think she's going to get a similar trip that she did in the fantasy last time out. And I'm going to take a shot because Bella is just going to be over bet. And if you look at her on speed figures, she actually has, does not have Absolutely nothing out in California. So, at a horse, you're going to be 8-5, to 9-5, to
4: five, I want to bet against. All right, Rich, let's fast forward to Saturday. The Kentucky Derby, uh, obviously, is the big race that everybody's looking forward to. And, of course, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But it's a tremendous undercard. And, Rich, one thing I know about you as a handicapper and other good handicappers as well is they feast on the Kentucky Derby undercard. Tell us about some of the horses you like leading up to the big race on Saturday.
9: I'm going to look at the fourth race because we see Hidden Scrolls coming back in this race, and he's racing in an allowance race. So you think, oh, he's been racing against great stakes winners, and he did. everybody know who Hidden Scroll was after his uh, romp in his first start uh, lifetime. Um, but I'm going to go against him as a short price. There's a lot of horses in this race that could beat Hidden Scroll, and I'm going to I'm going to use three of them in the pick five. I'm not even going to use Hidden Scroll. The four high-crime. I actually think is the best horse in the race. And he lost last time to a Todd Fletcher horse who's undefeated in Intrepid Heart. He just lost by half a length, and he's been training good. He's cutting back from the mile on the 16th to seven furlongs. You want to use him. You want to use a price. That's the five for This horse, last time out, closed at Keeneland, and we were talking about how Keeneland was a speed favorite track, all meet long. The first and second place finishers just went right around the racetrack. This horse was in eight. He closed up well. I think he's gonna get paid that to run again and you get the extra half of furlong. I like him at twenty to one. And the horse, the nine, Forton Hill. He raced one to the two year old. And if you watch his race, you'll be very impressed. He broke out of the gate and he was two lengths in front of the head uh, in front of the field within about three jumps and then instead of being a crazy two-year-old and going on with it, I read her actually got to settle down. A horse came up on his inside. He let him take the lead. And then at the top of the stretch, he just overtook him and opened up by five. And he got a buyer speed figure of 91. And to get a buyer speed figure of 91 as a two-year-old, first time out of the box, you're probably going to be a stakes winner in the future. So I'm just trying to beat in scroll in the fourth race. And then, the race before the Kentucky Derby That is race number 11 That's the Old Forrester Turf Classic And our old buddy Bricks and Mortar is back Me and you have talked about Bricks and Mortar For quite some time We talked about him before the Pegasus World Turf Cup where I told you He's going to win the race and uh, He's the best turf horse in the country And we ended up catching in there Last time out, though, we only won by a nose at 30 cents of the dollar at the fairgrounds, but that was a slow pace he had to chase. But he did get the job done. He's definitely the horse to beat. He's five to two on the morning line. You're not going to get five to two. He's probably going to be six to five or seven to five. But if you're playing that these multi race wagers, pick four, pick five, pick six, like I'm going to, he's definitely a horse to key, and he's probably the most likely winner on um, the whole entire weekend.
4: All right, let's fast forward to the Derby, and first of all, let's uh, talk about who's not going to be there. Obviously, big news out of Louisville, the favorite Omaha Beach being scratched, or the likely favorite, I should say, Omaha Beach being scratched. That certainly throws a monkey wrench, I know, into a lot of people's Derby.
9: You know what? It helps one of my picks, and that's the one war of will, because you knew Omaha Beach was going to be a peach factor. It helps the one war of will, because you know he's got a gun out of there. Yes, beat speed anyway. And it's going to help maximum security because maximum security might be able to go, instead going 45, 46, 47, which is a 10-length difference. So it probably does help the seven and the one more than it does anybody else. And it might even help Taxis, who even though he's closed in the Tampa Bay Derby and it says he was 7 lengths off in the Wood Memorial, They're going pretty fast at Aqueduct for those fractions and pretty fast for the mile and the eighth at Aqueduct. He could even be closer than he has been in his last two starts. So the defect of Omaha Beach definitely hurts. I feel bad for the connections. It's absolutely terrible. Fox Hill Farms, Richard Porter, he's been here before. He had eight bells in this race and it's just I I don't want to know the feeling that they're feeling right now. It must be just heartbreaking.
4: Yeah, no question about it. Um, So, with that being said, the Rich Mettay selection for Kentucky Derby 145 is?
9: I'm going to give you four horses. I'm going to give you my Superfecta in order. The 14, win, 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 will be my top pick. I'm going to bet him to win. Uh, This horse broke the track record in its first start as a three-year-old. At Tampa Bay Downs in the Pasco Stakes, going seven-eighths of a mile in 120 and 4 seconds. He won that race by seven lengths. He got a buyer of 99, which puts him right in the mix. And then in the Tampa Bay Derby, it looks like they just got away from him around the far turn, but he closed up nicely. That was his first start around two turns, so I could give that race a pass. And the Bluegrass, right after the Bluegrass, I said that I wanted win-win-win out of that race. This horse is making a move. Around the far turn, number one, he was sitting in 13th on a day at Keeneland where you wanted to be up close on the lead, and he was sitting 13th by the time they hit the first turn. And around the far turn, Irad tried to swing him out, and he got caught behind, behind tired horses, and he had to slam on the brakes pretty severely. Usually in dirt races, when you see that, they'll usually just stop. But instead of him just stopping, he just went around those horses, and he closed up sharply. And I know he lost by three and a half lengths to Bacoma, but if he doesn't get stopped, he might not have won the race, but it would have been a lot closer. He, may have, he might have lost by about a quarter of a length or maybe a half a length, or he could have won the race. But I really like win, win, win. I think he's going to get a decent pace to run at if maximum security war of will and somebody else wants to go out there on the weed. Uh, the horse I'm going to use second is the one war of will. I've always liked this horse. His race is virtual down to break his maiden was very impressive, so I know he likes the racetrack. He crushed horses in the Lecomte. They knew he was going to fire that day because he went off at 8-5 to five off a of maiden win. And then in the Risen Star, I was a little concerned because he had post-13. He was kind of ranked going into the first turn. But after they got on the backside, he just calmed down, and Tyler Gaffleon had a stranglehold of this horse. And then he just opened up at the top of the stretch. And if you look at the chart, the other horses that were up on the lead, Finished 12th, 11th, 9th, 13th, He was the only horse to survive who was up on the lead. So that was a really strong effort. And then last time out, we know we got hurt, so I can just throw that race out. And then if I'm going to use third is the sixteen that is game winner. Yep. Like I said, he, he was two-year-old champion, and he missed a week. He was supposed to race a week before he did in the Rebel at Santa Anita. We know the issues with the Santa Anita racetrack. And he had to chase the pace that Omaha Beach was up on. He looked like he was going to win the race, actually. But after the race, Bob Baffert said he wasn't cranked up entirely and only to lose by a nose So Omaha Beach not being cranked up. There's says a lot about him. And then in the Santa Anita Derby, he was three to four wide around both turns. He made an early move. He had the lead, and the race fell apart. And Roadster looked like he was going to win by five lengths, but game winner just fights fights anybody who he has to fight with in the stretch. And he does not want to lose. I'm going to use him. And then the horse that everybody's talking about, who I'm going to use in fourth, that's the three by my standards. I thought his Louisiana Derby was really, his maiden race was actually pretty good. He had post 12 going in the short turn at the fairgrounds. He won that race by four lengths. The last time out, he just put it all together again in that Louisiana Derby. He came up the fence, spin off looked like he was going to win the race by three lengths, and by my standards, just fought him off and won by three-quarters of a length. He got his career best buyer of a 97. He jumped 11 points on the buyer speed figure from his maiden special weight win to his Louisiana Derby, and reading the clock reports, he's training lights out. So those are the four horses I want in the Kentucky Derby.
4: All right. That's the natural Richard would say. Rich, listen, we're running out of time, buddy. We certainly appreciate you joining us. Have fun down there in Louisville. when you get back, uh, you're getting to work at Tioga. Best of luck at the Derby, and best of luck to you uh, at Tioga Downs. We'll certainly uh, keep track of you, my friend.
9: Thanks, guys.
4: Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure, the you? For someone you love with multiple sclerosis, have a difficult time paying for your MS medications, or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs, Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the Mobility Aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike,
5: are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun in wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. Winback Farms welcomes three
4: new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts and a Breeders' Crown Champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers and a Breeders' Crown Champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance. And new to Ontario, My MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including good times trot winner Wolfgang for more information go to winbackfarm.com that's winbackfarm.com
3: Canada's richest race for older pacers on a half-mile track is back the Camelot Classic Friday May 31st the scene of many great performances in recent years back-to-back victories by foiled again state treasurer three feet rock and Ron, stunning track record win in 2018 It'll be a party on the patio, of VIP infield experience. Plenty of giveaways, plus an undercard featuring City of London finals and the return of Ontario Sire Stakes action for horse players. Bumped up, guaranteed pool, high fives, big fours, something for everyone. Don't miss the Camelot Classic, Friday, May 31st at the Raceway at Western Fair District. Go to CamelotClassic.com. Some Beach Somewhere on the outside now has driven up to take the lead and Some Beach Somewhere in his career debut is going to win it.
7: Join Oshawa Canada and the Ontario Harness Horse Association for a special debut presentation on the big screen of the 2019 Eastlink community TV documentary Some Beach Somewhere, Horse of a Lifetime. It's Saturday, May 4th at the Mohawk Inn and Convention Centre in Milton, Ontario. Doors open at 3 p.m. The film starts at 4. Admission is $10 for adults, free for accompanied children. Expect some special guests, and all proceeds from this showing will go to equine research at the Ontario Veterinary College. Join us for a special Some Beach Somewhere Horse of a Lifetime experience May 4th.
3: That's a new track record for a two year old pacing cold here at Grand River. 154 2. Some Beach Somewhere, a strong debut.
7: For further information, follow Ashwa Canada on Twitter.
5: We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association in Bad America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, joined now by the president of Ushua, Canada, Garnett Barnsdale. And, Garnett, let's talk a little bit about the Some Beach Somewhere movie screening that's coming up on Saturday, May 4th. First of all, it's Derby Day, so there will be no degenerizing for you, that's for sure. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the movie screening and uh, what you're looking forward to.
10: Listen, uh, first of all, I made sure that there's a, a strong Wi-Fi connection at uh, at the Mohawk Inn. Not that anybody's going to be betting or anything like that on Derby Day. But, uh, yeah, uh, listen, we're really excited about this. There's a lot of people working behind the scenes to make this happen. I think, you know, you just heard Melissa Keith um, give a little bit of a blurb there in the advertisement. And, uh, really, Melissa's done a tremendous job. She's kind of been the driving force behind this. And, uh, you know, the East Link community TV documentary, Some Beach, Somewhere, Horse of a Lifetime, is is making its big-screen debut. And I'm pretty sure that I confirmed last night that the special guest that we're going to have for a question-and-answer session is uh, Beach's driver, regular driver, Paul McDonnell. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, everybody can come out. And, you know, I uh, just, uh, you know, just want to say thanks to Melissa and, and all the people that work behind the scenes. Hall of Famer Bill Galvin writing the press releases, uh, doing an excellent job, as always. There's a reason why Bill's in our Hall of Fame. Uh, Kelly Spencer and Ryan Clements um, and all the, you know, the Canadian Ushuans who've been working uh, very hard to make this happen. We're really excited about it.
4: Garnet, Mike Bozich here. You know, you, we've we visited the story of Beach somewhere uh, a lot of times. I mean, and, and what a great story it was. I mean, from trainer Brent McGrath to the, you know, the, the schooner stables of Nova Scotia. Uh, you know, just I mean, a great, great story, and uh, certainly a horse that we lost much too soon. Uh, passed away just when he uh, turned 13 years old. But you know, the great thing about this horse, Garnet, was uh, Garnet was not only obviously was he just a fantastic racehorse, but I mean, as a sire, I mean, just all the great horses, all his great sons and daughters that continue to do very well today. I mean the fact that we lost this horse at 13 garnet we we just imagine how many great racehorses we lost because of his untimely passing
10: yeah you know it's a little bit heartbreaking uh, it's a little bit bittersweet but uh, hopefully uh this documentary will do his legacy justice and uh i think it's kind of cool that uh, all the uh, admission fees that we're going to collect is going to oh, be oh, donated cool, towards x-line uh, research at the ontario veterinary college located in guelph uh, you know uh towards uh, their cancer research and uh It's just, um, you know, it's not something you typically hear uh, with racehorses. So it was a little bit surprising uh, to hear, you know, at least I haven't heard that many horses, uh, you know, inflicted with cancer. So uh, it was certainly a heartbreaking uh, announcement when everybody heard that. But, you know what, we're looking forward to Saturday and uh, hopefully uh, promoting his legacy even further. And like you say, um, there's still a lot of great racehorses out there by the beach and, you know, some grandsons now and daughters that are excelling on the track. And it just furthers his great legacy.
5: Now the real question is when is the movie going to be out for everybody to see is it going to be like a theater type of thing or is it something that's going to kind of be on like a TV you know TV kind of thing up in Canada what what's the deal with the actual when it comes out
10: I'm not really sure about that Mike um I I know that uh, this is kind of like the first uh, screening like on a big screen. I think they have a pretty good uh, facility there for showing something like this, but I don't really know, you know, when it'll be shared like maybe to YouTube or something like that. I really have no idea that's going to be up to uh, East Link Community TV. I would think who probably hold the rights.
4: Visiting with Garnet Barnsdale. Garnet, let's uh let's just talk briefly about the career of Sunbeach somewhere. Uh was pretty much unbeaten with the exception of that one start. And I always say that that loss to artificial was probably out of the 21 starts and the 20 wins that he has. I thought that in defeat, that was probably amongst his best efforts of his career.
10: Yeah. I, you know, i put that one right up there with the race at, at Yonkers and I can't believe, uh, a, a, you know, a leg of the crippled crown is escaping me for name right now, but, uh, that, he, was, he was first up in a torrential downpour with, you know, really strong winds that night. And to me, that one, um, the cane pace, I guess, I guess it was, that one uh, was just unbelievable, too. Um, I think those two, and, and like you say, I mean, uh, you know, he's uh, all out basically from the start to the three quarters in 119 and just got nipped in, in the Meadowlands pace. That was a phenomenal race, one of the greatest races of all time, without a doubt
4: no question about it. So, uh, the great, uh, the great Sunbeat somewhere, it's, you know, I'll tell you out of any harness horse, you know, in the world to have a movie about, I think this is uh, absolutely perfect. Uh, any idea, like any kind of sneak peek of, of what kind of this movie will entail? I mean, I mean, or the length of it, how long it's going to be or anything like that.
10: I believe it runs for an hour. So we're going to start it at four and it should be over by five. And then, uh, Paul McDonnell will have uh, some question and answers, and then I guess we'll all pile over to Mohawk to watch the Derby.
4: Fantastic. Sounds good. Well, let listen, we uh, just got a, a nice long diatribe of, uh, from Rich Mattei about who he likes in the Derby, and uh, he's going with win, win, win. Have you made your Derby selection yet?
10: I like Game Winner and Tacitus. I think I'll, I'm going to uh, concentrate on those two and, and try and work some exotic tickets off them. But one thing I want to mention before I leave, Mike, you're doing such a phenomenal job on our Ontario Racing Project. The other night having three winners that paid $23, $42, and uh, $31. So if people aren't following your your selection, I'm not so sure about mine or, or Carter's, but if they're not following yours, they should be.
4: Well, listen, we were talking, and, and Mike and I were talking. Um, you know what, listen, it's not so much about being hot as a handicapper because, you know, we were talking, I mean, these are horses that should have went off three to one, seven to two, four to one. So I think the whole moral of the story is that there is great value to be had, you know, in Ontario racing. And listen, you could catch some great odds on horses that necessarily shouldn't be those odds.
10: For sure. I think sometimes uh, the public latches onto a horse and, and, and makes it a, uh, you know, over bets it or, or sometimes you get a plunger uh, right near uh, post time. That'll put a big bet down to drop the horse down that maybe doesn't deserve it. So yeah, it's something definitely to keep an eye on. And, uh, it was great that you—you uh, know—it was great uh, for for Ontario racing that you came up with those uh, selections. And it's not—it's not often you see a guy uh, in the first four races come up with winners a total almost a hundred dollars.
4: That's right. I tried to lead Mike Carter to try to give me some props earlier in the show, but he wouldn't bite. No, not one bit. <laughs> He would not fight. He wasn't taking it at all, but listen, well, and if anybody wants to check it out, it, we were talking about that earlier in the show, Garnet, about how much fun we were having doing this for Ontario Racing, and, it, you know, it's good to see Ontario Racing really banding together, trying to promote their products, trying to promote, you know, not only the big track at Mohawk, but trying to promote racetracks like Western Fair and Flamborough and, uh, you know, Redo Carlton in, in tracks like that. I mean, it's good to see them take a united effort, and if anybody hasn't gone and checked out that Ontario racing website, Garnet. It is really a very, very good website. Lots of good stuff there.
10: Yeah, it is, and uh, it's easy to navigate. And um, anybody that wants to check out, like we're we're putting selections up every day for virtually every harness track that's racing in Ontario. Uh, we tweet them from our own uh, my my uh, Twitter account at King and yeah, I'm sure you people know who yours guys are. We put them on Facebook, so it's right there for everybody. Hopefully, we're giving out some value uh, valuable information and a few winners.
4: All right. And of course, along with that Garnet also does uh nightly picks for uh Mohawk through uh, the daily racing form. But once again, you can follow him on Twitter at go cash King. And of course you can follow the DRF at DRF artists. Garnet, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us buddy. Best of luck this weekend. And, uh, I know you're very anxious to see that screening of, uh, the great horse Sunbeat somewhere. And uh, you certainly have to uh, keep us up to date on how it was.
10: Yeah, I can't wait. I'll let you guys know. And, uh, thanks for having me on the show as always. And, uh, Mr. Carter, I'll see you at the Camelot Classic.
5: All right, it sounds like a plan, buddy. We'll see you there in a couple of weeks.
10: All right.
4: All right. That was Garnet Barnsdale, the president of uh, the uh, of Ushua. And I'll tell you what, Mike. Um, you know, some beat somewhere. A great story. We lost them much too soon. And like I said, and I cannot remember the young lady's name. I I, I feel so bad. I I, I should have gone back in the archives and looked. We had her on, and it was probably about a year ago, talking about this project coming together and being put together, and it is finally
5: here. Yeah, it's finally here for everybody to see. It'll be interesting to see how it kind of rolls out, and I'd be interested to actually watch it and uh, learn about the life and career of some beach somewhere.
4: All right, Mike. We got one final timeout to, to take, and then we'll wrap this thing up when we come back. But Mike, and I know this show's kind of running long, but I, I this is a question that I asked Rich, or I was going to ask Rich. I don't think I did, but I, I'll ask you. Being an announcer, okay? We always talk about, we always think about being the one up there to call the Kentucky Derby. Like Travis Stone's doing it for On Track, of course. Larry Colmas does it for NBC. What, what would you think how, – how would you approach calling a race like that with 19 horses and the world watching?
5: Just make sure you get through every horse before the half-mile pole. I think that was the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, word of advice that was given from Tom Durkin. But, you know, just, just be slow, clear, and concise. That's really all you can do. Yeah,
4: and and we know uh, from the flashcards and stuff that uh, Travis and Larry have posted. I mean, they they obviously do their homework. You know, they obviously. But but here's the thing, though, Mike. It's like you've got great races before the Derby, and of course you got the Oaks card. So you know, it's not like you could you know undermine those races. From a race calling right. point of view, you know, I mean, you still have those to do, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I would be very nervous. That's all I could say. You know, oh, staff, for, you'd be nervous. Too. Without
5: a shadow yeah. of a doubt. I mean, you know, listen, you know, you're, you're going to be nervous in those situations, but I, but I, I, but I really think the key to that is just being slow and trying to train your brain. Okay, go from one horse to the next, and don't try to get cute. Don't try to be pretty about it. Just try to go one horse to the next and take it from there. Absolutely.
4: All right, one final timeout to take. We'll wrap this thing up when we come back. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by America and the USDA.
0: It's been said that fortune favors the bold. And we're all in at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Join us as we kick off the live racing season with an epic fan appreciation weekend. Friday, March 29th and Saturday, March 30th for champion harness racing, new bets, folder promotions, free family events, live entertainment, giveaways, and more starting at 6.30 p.m. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino is this folder. And we want you to be a part of it. Visit harrishoosierpark.com for more info.
5: We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America. Thanks so much to all of our guests for taking time out. Enjoy the Kentucky Derby coming up this weekend. See everybody back here next week at 1030. Good night.